Hi, you're listening to Stefan Libera Podcast. So we are currently progressing towards a Bitcoin taproot soft fork, and we've got this scheme called Music2. So if you're confused about that and you're unsure what it means for Bitcoin multi-signature, well, this is the episode for you. Jonas, Nick, and Tim Ruffing from Blockstream join me on the show to talk about it. This show brought to you by swanbitcoin.com, the best place to auto-stack your BTC in the US with incredibly easy setup and low fees. I really appreciate that Swan is Bitcoin only and they're dedicated to Bitcoin education. They want you to hold your own keys. So if you have pre-coiner or new coiner friends in the US, this is a great place to send them. One of the big positives of regular recurring buys is smoothing out price volatility. So set and forget, enjoy your life. With Swan, they pull USD from your bank account, buy the Bitcoin and withdraw to your cold storage. Go to swanbitcoin.com slash lavera to get $10 of free Bitcoin when you start stacking with Swan. Have you heard about Bitcoin Black Friday? Bitcoin Black Friday is from the team behind Bitcoin Magazine and Bitcoin 2021 Conference. Bitcoin Black Friday is a celebration of the growing Bitcoin economy. On the site, you can find active deals for up to 50% off on your favorite Bitcoin gear and other merchants accepting Bitcoin. And it doesn't stop with spending Bitcoins. Bitcoin Black Friday also lists over 65 charities that you can support with Bitcoin and a stacking stats page with ways to earn Bitcoin. If you're a Bitcoin accepting merchant, go to bitcoinblackfriday.com to list a Black Friday deal. And if you want to take advantage of the discounts and the SAT stacking opportunities, sign up for email updates. That website is bitcoinblackfriday.com. Are you looking for insured Bitcoin custody? Knox is a Bitcoin custodian dedicated to ensuring their insurance protection covers the full value of their customers' assets. For example, suppose a fiduciary wants to hold $250 million of Bitcoin with Knox. Knox will seek to obtain $250 million of insurance dedicated exclusively to that account and adjustable to volatility. No fractional coverage or narrow scope. Insurance for what it's worth, a tool to transfer risk. If you are a Bitcoin company, investment fund, trust, or family office, check out Knox for your insured custody. That's knoxcustody.com. Here's the interview. Jonas and Tim, welcome to the show. Hello. Hey. So thanks, guys, for joining me today. I was very interested to chat a little bit about some of your recent work with Music2. But firstly, let's hear a little bit about each of you. So Jonas, do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got into doing cryptography? (laughs) So I'm working at uh, the research group at Blockstream. I work on LibSecP, the library uh, of Bitcoin Core. And I work on a few of these cryptography cryptography things, but mostly just because I want to implement them and I want to implement them in the way that uh, this is misuse resistance, resistance so developers can use it without um, the possibility of making huge mistakes. And um, yeah, what else do I do at Blockstream? I've been working at, on Liquid a little bit and... Uh, researching scriptless scripts and yeah these are mostly my responsibilities great and uh, tim let's hear a little bit from you hi yeah my, my name is uh tim ruffing i'm uh, i'm in germany like like jonas is i got into um cryptography in the i, I don't know let, let's say the traditional or the academic way so i did my phd on on cryptography in particular cryptography in bitcoin in at Saarland University, the the title of my my dissertation really was uh, 
cryptography for Bitcoin and friends. So this is really on the spot. So um, during that time, I mostly worked on uh, privacy in Bitcoin. And now um, that, I, uh, that I'm uh, in the research team at Blockstream, I work a lot on um, signatures in particular. Yeah, all the stuff we're hopefully going to talk about today like music, uh, multi-signatures, threshold signatures, basically everything that's related to Schnorr signatures. Fantastic. So the context for today, we've got this this coming soft fork that uh, everyone, basically everyone wants into Bitcoin, the Schnorr, or colloquially the Taproot soft fork. So uh, perhaps you could set the, uh, the context a little bit. What's the relation between Schnorr, Taproot, and then music and multi-signature so perhaps Jonas if you want to just set the context for us there yeah so taproot is basically this new witness program version that um, we will have hopefully after the activation so instead of having like a segwit version zero output you will have a segwit version one output and what this means is that now you have different ways of spending this coin and uh, one of these ways is to provide a Schnorr signature. So this is how BIP Schnorr relates to uh, BIP Taproot. And this is kind of an upgrade to how this works right now with uh, ECDSA signatures, because Schnorr signatures are a little bit uh, simpler and allow um, a few more applications on top of that. And uh, music is the idea of... Um, making multi-signatures uh, compact in Bitcoin. So right now in Bitcoin, you have this uh, check multi-sig opcode, but uh, calling this a multi-signature is perhaps a little bit of a stretch because it's not really compact because what you do is you just write down all the public keys and all the signatures, and then you verify them one by one. But what you really want is that uh, uh, this is all efficient which means that you have a single signature and a single public key, but your policy is still a multi-signature. And this is kind of the idea behind music for uh, Schnorr signatures. I see. So maybe just to spell that out for listeners who might not be as familiar. So current day multi-signature relies on using, as you're saying, this Bitcoin scripting. And as part of that, let's say we're doing a two of three multi-signature you know, output, uh, then we have to actually show both or two signatures. Uh, and what we're talking about here is in the taproot world, we'll be moving to, uh, and I presume you're referring to there, like that's like the taproot key path spend where we can construct a multi-signature, let's say between the three of us and on the chain, it only looks, you can only see one signature, correct? Yes, although I think it would make sense to already start here uh, differentiating between multi-signatures and threshold signatures. So with music, you can do multi-signatures, meaning M of M or N of N. You need as many signatures as you have uh, public keys. So in this would be something that can be done with music. And um, with Taproot, you can still use the old way of doing threshold signatures where you just uh, write down in the chain the signatures and the public keys. I see, yeah. And so that's the difference between, let's say, doing in that example, doing two of three versus having it such that you must do three of three. Yeah. Right. 
I think that's kind of an important uh, difference in the terminology um, because when you when you talk to a Bitcoiner and say multisig, um, they usually think about um, <clears throat> this n of m pattern where n can really be smaller uh, than m, as, uh, as as you mentioned, for example, two of three. And um, if you if you look at the uh, academic literature. Uh, what they call a multi-signature is really restricted to this uh, n of n case where you uh, need the full number of signers. Um, the other thing is called, as Jonas mentioned, is called threshold signatures. And we are also working on this, but music so far only um, <clears throat> only supports this n of n case where the, the numbers are equal. Okay. And so that's essentially the difference, the difference there between threshold signatures and then multi-signature when we're talking in the academic context, right? So perhaps you could just outline a little bit around this journey because there are different forms of music, right? So there's music one, music DN and music two. So uh, perhaps you could spell out for us what are the differences there between those different uh, types? Tim? Do yeah, you want to do it? you're the expert on history of uh, music. <laughs> history of music, yeah, um, yeah. Let let's actually uh, go even a, a step back more and um, yeah, see what what was there before music because there's really an interesting uh, story to tell there. Um, before we we had music, so one of the one of the main reasons to get uh, Schnorr signatures into Bitcoin is really that uh, you can build a lot of things easier with Schnorr signatures than with ECDSA. For example, multi-signatures, threshold signatures, and other advanced uh, types of signatures, scriptless scripts, um, and, and, and things like that. So all of these are somewhat nicer in uh, with, with Schnorr signatures because the math around Schnorr signatures is, is easier. And so... Some years ago, I, I can't even tell when when this was. Um, people uh, like Andrew Polstra, Peter Woy, Greg Maxwell thought about doing multi signatures um, with with Schnorr, and they came up with a with a scheme. And um, and their main challenge was to avoid some uh, some attack that's called raw key attack or others call it key cancellation attack where let's say we are like we, we do a three of three among us here and um i um i publish my public key and stefan maybe publishes his key and then jonas uh, is the attacker and looks at our keys and chooses his key depending on our keys and by doing so what he can uh, achieve is that uh, if like if he would do this in a naive way then the resulting key um the the multi signature key that would that should represent all uh, all of us would actually only represent him so Jonas could sign alone with this key which is totally not the goal of multi signatures of course because we all should agree <laughs> that's scary uh, yeah <laughs> and this is basically really just cancellation you can think of just adding up like uh, um, if we add up the keys and Jonas uh, chooses the key in a, in a pretty way then our keys just subtract out again and they're gone right so he could sign alone yeah and, and, yeah. and of course it's not what we want 
Um, so uh, those people thought they have a solution to uh, to this problem, and which actually fights this problem. And in a sense, yes, what they came up was was really a solution for that problem, but it had other it had another issue too. And um, this issue is uh, Wagner's attack. Maybe we will come to, to that later. I don't want to go in the, into the details of this now because I guess then the story will be even longer. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they, they tried to publish, uh, they, they tried to write this up in a paper and, and publish it. And then um, people pointed them to existing uh, work in the in the literature that basically... Uh, didn't solve this problem, but solved the other problem uh, about Wagner's attack. Um, and so the story there kind of continued. And uh, then they uh, got together with a uh, with a co-author of also of us, like Yannick Sarah from from France. He's he's a brilliant cryptographer, I'd say. <laughs> and uh, he was happy to help them write up a proof for a scheme. That's basically the the combination of the of the two worlds that solve both problems, and this was uh, let's say the old version of Music One. And when I say old version, I mean like an insecure version because even they <laughs> screwed up again. <laughs> um, so in this in this other work they were pointed to, this was a paper by Belache and Nevin from two thousand six, and this uh, had the so for, for multi-signatures, you need an interactive uh, signing procedure. So all the signers need to talk to each other to, uh, when they generate a signature. And the process in this paper had uh, three rounds. So they needed to send three messages to each other. And Yannick had an idea of improving that to, uh, to two rounds. Um, but unfortunately, this idea was flawed. So we had to revert back to three rounds. And this is basically then music one, which is uh, three rounds, multi-signatures, and avoid the um, key cancellation attack. So can we just unpack the idea of interactivity? So as I understand, multi-signature today, at least in Bitcoin, or threshold signatures, I guess, if we want to be more technically precise, it is non-interactive, right? Like the three of us can just put in an XPUB each and create this multi-signature and off you go. But what's the interactivity part mean uh, in the music context? Yeah, so I think there is still a little bit of interactivity because your signing device needs to get the message, the transaction to sign, and then it replies with a signature. So you could say that's kind of like a one-round signature scheme. And with this uh, music secure version of Music One, we have three communication rounds. And uh, this has two problems. One is just the communication rounds. They, they just add up uh, if you have a, uh, a protocol that uses this. For example, in uh, Lightning, we figured out that if you would use music uh, instead of uh, um, like regular signatures, then you would have to add half of a round trip without L2. But um, this would be a problem um, because this half round trip adds up on every hop. And we know that lightning um, nodes are connected through Tor sometimes. So this could really add some, some latency. And another problem would be if you have a setup with uh, multiple signing devices, 
And one of them you have in a safety deposit box. And either you basically take all your devices, bring them to the same location and do this whole signing ritual, or you have to go two times to your safety deposit box. And uh, this would also be a problem, I suppose. So this, this is really the problem with interactivity. Putting that into the example, as you were saying, you might have, let's say, uh, three different hardware wallet devices and one coordinating laptop or machine with like, you know, Bitcoin Core or Spectre or something. And in that example, you would have to then go to each hardware wallet location, get the signature, come back, go to hardware wallet two, come back and like do a few rounds of that. And that obviously is not very practical. Um, could you also just outline for us there the difference in terms of uh, setup of the, you know, creating that multi-signature quorum uh, versus signing a transaction for that quorum? Is there a difference there or is it still kind of three rounds, whatever you're doing? I think if you, if you talk about setup, um, like for really for for music again restricted to the case that's n of n multi signatures uh one big advantage of of music in general is that the setup itself is is still non non interactive in the sense that you can take any public keys and um combine them into an aggregated um or an aggregate public key and everybody can do this so you can just uh like if if I if I know the pub keys of you two guys, I could now immediately send two and two of two of you without even talking to you again. Um, I see. Gotcha. There is a difference in uh, when when we move to threshold signatures. Um, if we in the future want to extend music to to support uh, n of m threshold signatures, say. Um, then this would be an inherently different. I think there uh, we really need an interactive setup because when it comes to threshold signatures, the tricks that you usually play to make that work is that you create a secret key. So everybody creates a secret key and then shares uh, parts of that secret key with the other people. And this sharing process needs to happen before we can use uh, the signature scheme. So this is kind of inherently um, interactive. And there in, in a... Yeah, in a, in a funny sense, I'd say uh, the, the what we call naive thing that works on Bitcoin today with scripts is still better in that respect, right? Because it's always non-interactive. Right, from a practicality perspective. Uh, so in terms of that process you mentioned, if we were to try that, is that the nonce commitment part? Uh, maybe you want to explain what that part is for us? Yeah, so uh, perhaps just to elaborate on another problem with uh, Music One, which is that you need to keep state securely. And this is kind of an abstract problem if you're not an engineer, but many people will be perhaps familiar that it's not really possible to back up lightning channels. And this is a similar problem. If you, if you start a signing session, you back up the state because you write it on the disk and then you back it up to your NASA, whatever. You finish the signing session, then you restore the backup, and then you sign again with the same session. Then you have reused your nonce, and you're not supposed to reuse your nonce with a different signature, and someone can uh, easily compute your, your secret key. This is the other problem with uh, Music One. So... Um, that that makes it difficult also to 
so our one of our goals is to write libraries, right, and implementations. And uh, in our implementation of music one, we have this uh, huge um, documentation saying ah, you're not supposed to copy this state or write it somewhere. Um, just keep it in memory, and you have to pay attention to this and that. And that's no one reads these things, and um, this makes it really dangerous. What was the approach going forward from that? Was it seen like, oh, well, we're just going to have to mitigate this and have all the application developers just be really mindful of it before they use music one? Or or was it more like, okay, now we need to find other approaches? Uh, basically, yes, because there was also uh, this paper called On the Security of Two Round Multisignatures. And uh, they showed that you cannot prove two round music one secure there's no way to do it in any model that we care care about so we kind of didn't try then and but it, then we, it even yeah. worse right i mean it, it's broken it's it, of course they also showed that you can't prove it's secure but it's also because it's just insecure <laughs> so it, again we are talking about the old version of music one the, the, the that's what jonas is referring to with two round music one um, but they didn't prove that you cannot prove another scheme secure <laughs> and so yeah then we basically started also looking into these other schemes like music dn and music 2 right i think this is where, where it really uh started with with music dn then yeah so let's get into music dn what what is that um in music dn so music dn uh, the dn uh, spells out deterministic nonsense which is a very technical term i think um But it really relates to what was uh, Jonas saying with uh, about you can't um, you can't reuse states, so you have to st you, uh, store your the state between the rounds of your signing procedure in a in a secure way. In particular, like you can't uh, you make you have to make sure that uh, it can't be rolled back. For example, if you run your wallet in a in a virtual machine for whatever reason, and you can reset this virtual machine, this would be would be really bad um and, and a very related pr problem to this is that of uh, choosing nonces in a secure manner and what's a number what's a nonce a nonce is a number used once and um these nonces are required when you create uh signatures like we know them not only schnorr signatures also ecdsa signatures And they have very specific requirements about being random. So they need to be, yeah, that sounds weird, but like like very random. You you can't have a small bias in this nonsense. So the, the worst thing that can happen is like what Jonas mentioned is if you reuse your nonce. Like say you have a, a random number generator that's supposed to generate these random nonces. And for some reason it would output the same nonce twice which is uh astronomically unlikely but if it's broken maybe it it has this flow that it would output the same number twice and then if you use the same nonce to sign different messages then people can just look at the resulting two signatures and compute your secret key so it's catastrophic it's it's totally game over um but as i said it's even uh Like this is just the the worst case that can happen. So even if there's a slight bias in choosing that nonce, there are maybe ways to extract the um, secret keys from your from your signatures. Um, 
so that's why uh, in in normal single party signatures, if it's ECDSA or Schnorr signatures or um, add to five uh, five five nineteen, uh, all the uh, elliptic curve signature schemes we know of there it's really common engineering practice to generate nonsense deterministically and that is maybe sounds weird right because this deterministic is kind of the opposite to to random so how can this work uh, well it can work if you uh, if in uh, deriving those nonsense deterministically you kind of use your your secret key as a secret ingredient and then still no one can can predict what the outcome is. Um, so you can generate these nonces in a in a secure manner without relying on a um, on an external source of randomness that could fail, um, and still generate your your uh, signature securely. So when we're saying deterministic here, it's kind of like um, it's like that concept of when you hash the same like word it'll always hash out to the same like so long as you do it through the same algorithm it'll still hash out to the same outcome right 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 and it's it's basically almost what we do or it's actually what, what you do so you would take your secret key you would take the message that you want to sign you put those into a secure hash function and what you get out is the result of the hash function is something that only you can know because only you know the secret key and you use that as your nonce this is the simple procedure and um, the, the problem with that, so as I said, like everybody is doing this in signatures because it's the, uh, the right way. The problem is now if you move to a multi-signature world where you have this interactive signing uh, process, suddenly it's the other way around. Now suddenly if you use deterministic nonces, uh, your security breaks down immediately. Um, this is a very, <laughs> very weird thing. And um, yeah, so... We, we now even, like, if you look at uh, PIP um, 340, which specifies no signature, we actually put a warning in there to make that explicit after people got it wrong and took our uh, music scheme and implemented it in a deterministic way because they thought, okay, look, like, this is the... We've always been told to use deterministic nonsense, so, of course, we're going to do this here. And I, I can't blame them for this because it's, it's so natural. Um so then, how did uh, music DN come up, and like what what kind of context makes sense to use music DN? So the interesting thing there is, if only one signer derives their nonce deterministically, then that's insecure. But if everyone would uh, derive their nonce deterministically, then it would be secure. And it turns out that you can build a zero knowledge proof showing to the other signers that you yourself have deterministically derived your nonce. So what you're doing compared to uh, the normal music scheme is just you receive all these uh, nonces and proofs and you verify them and you generate your own nonce deterministically and then this is secure. Um, the big question there is how to, or, or the, the big part of the, the paper is one, is this still a secure signature scheme? And two, how can we really make this um, efficient? I see. And uh, was this Adam Back's idea? I don't know, actually. I would say it's probably folklore that came up in, in IRC or, or something. I, I, I heard it's your idea, but I... <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but maybe it's folklore, yeah. Yeah, I mean, just the idea isn't really all that great. The, 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 as I yeah. said, it's difficult to make it efficient. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a little bit about that process. So zero knowledge proofs, uh, as I understand, they are they tend to be you know, computationally efficient or the size of the transactions and things like that are bigger. So tell us a little bit about that in terms of music DN. So the, perhaps if we start with the end result, um, you can see that it's not too limiting. So on a desktop uh, machine, it takes about one second to create a proof for a single signature and a few milliseconds, I think on the order of 50 to, to verify such a proof. So that's not really a limitation and the size of, of a proof is about a, a thousand bytes if, if I remember correctly. So not an issue for a desktop computer, but perhaps an issue if we were to talk about, would it be an issue if we were to talk about hardware wallet devices like Trezor and Coldcard and things like that? Yeah, these hardware wallet devices, they have very different specs, right? And they do different things on, on different processors. So it's not really easy to say if that would really workable. And in a Bitcoin transaction, you can have multiple signatures, not only one, um, but I think what this shows is that the limitation really isn't the computational complexity, but rather the code complexity that this uh, zero-knowledge proof in entails. So if someone were to use that in practice, we have proof-of-concept code, but um, uh, you really need to audit uh, the code very, very closely and uh, see if there are any flaws. <laughs> I see. Yeah, so I, I, let, let, let me just stress that because people tend to f forget about this. Uh, of course, MusicDN removes one uh, possibility to shoot yourself in, in the foot, which is like uh, it removes this uh, random, this, this reliance on the random number generator. Uh, on the other hand, uh, it's much more complex than what we did in, in Music One, for example, in terms of engineering complexity. So building this security or knowledge proof and implementing it correctly is, is pretty complicated. Of course, you can get it right. But yeah, it's, yeah, software has bugs, right? So I, I don't have a measure on the lines of code uh, of, of the zero knowledge proof as compared to the rest of, of the signing. But I think the difference is, is large. Maybe, I don't know, 10x. This is, this is just a guess. But of course, like if you have 10x lines of code, it's much easier to, to make a mistake there. So I think we, we really need to uh, work on a careful um, on a careful implementation of music TN before it's really ready to be used and practice and we can uh, yeah, we can trust it. Back to the show in a moment. But first, are you looking out for your Bitcoin backups? Look into CypherSafe at CypherSafe.io, producing the CypherWheel product. If you've got a Bitcoin wallet or a Bitcoin hardware wallet and you have a BIP39 seed, those 12 or 24 words, have you got it backed up? Is it fireproof? Is it waterproof? The CypherWheel is a metal seed backup product. It comes in a wheel shape and you get tiles to put in four tiles per word. And also the CypherWheel masks the words of your seed and it's got a padlock tamper evidence seal, so you know if it's been opened. So make sure you or your loved ones have access to your Bitcoins if an accident occurs. To buy one, go to cyphersafe.io and use the code LAVERA for 10% off. 
And lastly, Unchanged Capital, Bitcoin Native Financial Services. Did you listen to my recent interview with Joe and Drew from the team? Unchained are making multi-sig really accessible for the masses, whether you are an individual or a business. Why not consider going from zero to multi-signature security with Unchained? You can build it yourself, or if you want assistance, there's a Vault Concierge onboarding package, and you can get hardware wallet devices mailed to you and have guided setup calls to build your Vault together. Use the code Lavera for a discount there, and note they've also got business accounts as we spoke about. So if you want to use them for your Bitcoin business treasury while still holding your own keys, this is the place to go. Go to unchained-capital.com to find out more. Now back to the interview. Out of curiosity, what kind of business or what kind of use case would that make sense for? Like, are we talking like maybe a Bitcoin exchange wants to have like warm wallets and they would use Music DN to distribute that? Or like what kind of example uses would you see for Music DN? So I think, again, this is really hard to say because we need to see how, how if it's really a problem to save or to, to maintain state um, or not. So we are at Broxroom, we are not currently focusing on developing these techniques and showing that um, our music DN implementation is actually without any bugs. So we are more focusing on, on music too right now. Gotcha. Maybe one thing we, we could add here, maybe we, you can see this as a, as a immediate in, um, intermediate step. Um, because the, the scenario you mentioned, I think uh, cold storage for uh, an exchange, for example, is in a sense a, a good one uh, because there you really need the, the highest level of, of security, I'd say. And you may be willing to accept, uh, even if you run this additionally on a, on a hardware wallet, I mean, maybe this then takes... 10 seconds maybe it takes a minute i don't know it depends on the on the hardware wallet i'm, I'm just making up these these numbers but yeah, even if sure. it, even if it takes a minute of course like this is not usually not something that you expect from cryptography on your on your desktop machine uh, but moving from cold storage to to warm storage if this takes a minute i think you don't really care this is still acceptable um I, I think the, the big limitation here is that, again, this is only for N of N. And I, I don't think that uh, um, if you are a huge exchange, you want to keep your cold storage in N of N. Uh, because if you lose one of those devices yeah. or whatever it is, your, your keys will be gone, right? So you probably want N of M where maybe this is, I don't know, uh, two of three or seven of 10 or something like this. And I think until we build a version of music, the end that works with threshold signatures and we are, we are not currently working on this. Um, yeah, maybe we can see this as an, uh, more like an intermediate step, at least if you think about uh, those scenarios that you mentioned where you really need the highest level of security. Yeah, just to give an example, for for Lightning, it's not a problem to keep state because you can keep the state in memory. And if your program aborts or crashes, then you just do a completely new signing session. And the same holds for federated sidechains and uh, also Blockstream Green. So shall we chat about Music2 then? So what was the impetus behind this? So the impetus, I think, was just realizing... Um, that there is some kind of trick where you could actually do two round music 
And it's a very simple trick. Unlike Music DN, there's no heavy zero knowledge machinery. The um, complexity is very similar to to music. And um, then we just um, started trying to prove the secure because um, we didn't want to make any claims again that we have found some two round scheme that is that that was secure. By the way, we, maybe you should mention that Music DN also has only two rounds, but it's rather like a a neat side effect of it, right? Because you need this expensive zero knowledge proof. It doesn't matter like if you have one round more or less. Yeah. But okay, this was only one one addition about music the end. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we, we teamed up again with uh, Yannick Serrat and uh, wrote two diff two different proofs and two different models uh, to show that this can actually um, be used. And it's uh, even simpler in, in code complexity than, than Music 1. And you could even say it's um, non-interactive because this very first round, you can view it as some kind of uh, pre-processing step, which can happen before the message is known. So you could imagine that if you have want to set up your quorum, you have some uh, pairing step where you already exchange um, the first round, you store it, it's state, okay, but uh, then later, when you have a transaction to sign, uh, it's the same as right now, no additional rounds or running back and forth to your uh, safety deposit box. In the paper here, you talk about Music 2 being secure under concurrent signing as opposed to uh, previously requiring sequential signing. So what's the difference there? I think there this this really relates to uh, what I hinted at earlier with with Wagner's attack. So uh, the the reason or the reason why uh, music one has three rounds and the two rounds uh, the insecure two round version of it was insecure is really only uh, concurrent sessions, which which means that you have a you have a device which has a secret key and which is involved in multiple signing sessions at the same time, um, which can of course happen if this is your your desktop machine and you're creating tr transactions with multiple people at the at the same time. Um, then uh, only only in this case, uh, this two round version becomes uh, insecure and and uh, attacks like Wagner's attack apply by basically uh, the, the the attack roughly works by creating a lot of uh, a lot of signing sessions with you let's say like i don't know 50 signing sessions and then grinding a lot of hash nonces but which is then um, possible and then they can extract uh, 51 signatures from you but they should only be able to extract 50 right because you run 50 signing sessions um now this is again something that uh, maybe is not. You could even say maybe that's not so relevant in, in practice. But we want schemes that are, um, as, as Jonas mentioned in the very beginning, that are uh, how did you say robust to to misuse, right? Um, so if we if we as a protocol designer can build signature schemes that just don't have this floor, then no nobody can get it wrong in, in practice. And this is again, so like having multiple sessions is again something that could easily happen. Say you copy your key to a second device. Maybe this is something you shouldn't do, but some people will do. 
And uh, then those two devices could have concurrent sessions, right? And they can't, they don't even know of each other. Um, so this is very hard to, uh, to make sure that you really run only one session at a time. And this might be even a problem if you if you go to scenarios where uh, let's say let's say lightning where you have a lightning node and you want to use uh, music with a counterparty and uh, maybe there like two things are going on at the at the same time and then you would be blocked and others could uh, run maybe like denial of service attacks on you by just starting a signing session and never never finish it and then you would wait for it to to be finished because otherwise you can't move on to the second session and so on. So we really want a scheme that's usable with as many concurrent sessions as you as you wish. And this is where Music 2 comes in then. Can you tell us a little bit more about Music 2 and how it would how it would look like and what's involved with it? I think if you if you look at um, if you look at applications where we want this where we really envision this to be used is protocols like uh, like lightning where currently you uh, in a lightning channel uh, between two parties they run a multi-signature currently they use uh, they do this uh, using the naive thing uh, with a bitcoin script and this is really a, a scenario where we want uh, music to to be used because it's it's now kind of efficient because you don't need these additional round trips because it's only two rounds, and you can pre-process the first round in the sense that you, when you set up the channel, you can also already do the pre-processing. And then if you want to send some money over the channel, uh, only then you get like the message you want to sign. And then it's just basically one additional message on the network uh, to create the signature. And um, yeah, I think if you if you want to differentiate this to, uh, to music DN, then it's really uh, it's really simple and lightweight, lightweight, I'd say. So this is something you can you can write into a specification for Lightning, for example. Um, whereas probably, I mean, in theory, you could some, use something like Music DN and Lightning, but you probably wouldn't want to have this in the spec because Music DN only works if everybody is, is using this deterministic nonsense trick, as we explained earlier. So you would enforce or you, you would uh, put the burden of running the expense of your knowledge proofs on everybody. And it's probably not something you can agree on. Um, but Music 2 is simple enough that you can, or I hope that people can agree on using this or a variant of this in, in Lightning and in other higher level protocols, um, maybe uh, discrete log contracts or other things you can build with, with no signatures. Okay, cool. Uh, one other thing that stuck out to me, I was curious to get your thoughts and perhaps you could help explain this for us. Uh, what is the one more discrete logarithm assumption and what's the implication of that for the security of music too? Tim, that's a question for you. <laughs> I'm sure you can answer that one as well. Yeah, no, I, I can I can explain it, of course. Um, so all of our modern... Um, at least a public key crypto, uh, for example, when you, when you talk about uh, signatures, this is a public key primitive in cryptography because it has public keys, um, is built on on uh, assumptions, on cryptographic hardness assumptions. So this, these are problems uh, that we hope uh, that are hard to, hard, to, uh, hard to do on a computer. 
and that's why they uh, that's how they get their security from and yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of weird when i weird when i say hope right because we um it, it's really just a hope but our our, uh, our confidence in these assumptions is usually really really good because people spend like 30 years on trying to break them and trying to come up with uh, efficient algorithms and fail to do so and this this is how we uh, obtain our signature uh, sorry our security for example for for schnorr signatures by assuming a, uh, the hardness of a specific computational problem and this is for schnorr signatures this is the discrete logarithm problem so it's it's a problem related to uh, to elliptic curves where you get a group element and you have to compute the discrete logarithm of it and yeah, people tried this for, for many years and failed to come up with efficient algorithms for this. So we, we believe this is hard. Um, that's, by the way, one advantage of Schnorr signatures over ECDSA signatures, because at least for Schnorr signatures, we know uh, or we can prove them secure if the uh, discrete logarithm problem is hard. For ECDSA, that's, that's really a hard story. I mean, we also hope that ECDSA is hard to break, but it, we don't have nice, uh, nice mathematical proofs for this. This is one like th uh, theoretical advantage of, of Schnorr signatures here. And now with, with music too, um, we need to uh, make a stronger assumption. For music one, we were able to prove this secure if this uh, discrete logarithm assumption holds. So, which basically means it's nice because as compared to Schnorr signatures, which anyway we need to be secure because otherwise music can't be secure because it produces a Schnorr signature. Uh, we don't need additional of uh, the, uh, we don't need to introduce additional assumptions uh, for music two to get this uh, more efficient. We need to have an additional assumption that's called the one more discrete logarithm assumption. And uh, in if you think about it, the, the normal discrete logarithm assumption is I give you uh, one discrete uh, I give you one elliptic curve point, and you need to compute the discrete logarithm and we hope this is hard um Perhaps just just to give an example your group element would be your public key for example right. and the secret key is the discrete that's, logarithm that's that's a very very nice example i should have brought up yeah so uh it should of course be hard to compute secret keys from public keys right <laughs> um, yeah because otherwise uh all, um, all security is gone of course and, and this is exactly uh an example for a discrete logarithm and so in in normal discrete logarithm, basically, this means I give you one public key and you have to come up with a secret key. Hopefully, this is hard. And one more discrete logarithm, this is a little bit generalized. It, the game is different. Uh, the game is I give you, let's say, uh, 10 public keys. And now you can ask me for nine secret keys, in a sense. And still, you shouldn't be able to figure out a 10th secret key. The interesting thing about this is that you can't you you can you can't only ask for exact secret keys of things that I that I gave you public keys for, but you can also combine them. You can add them up. For example, I can send you uh, yeah ten public keys. Let's say public key one to public key ten, and then you could ask me for secret key one. Uh, no, you could ask me for the secret key of public key one plus public key two, and and you can play tricks like this. But you can only ask nine questions. But in the end, after you ask nine questions, you uh, can compute uh, the secret keys of all of these 10 things I've sent to you. Uh, then you solve the problem. And um, 
we still believe this is hard because people have used this in the in the past, but it's not exactly equivalent to the normal discrete logarithm assumption. So we have to make a stronger assumption there in a sense. But as I say, this assumption has been used in the past, so we are pretty confident that it, that it holds. It's not an issue in practice. Perhaps we could just walk through an example there. Well, actually, one other point I was I wanted to ask. So you mentioned earlier that your aim is that this would be used inside of Lightning as an example. Would it also make sense to have this as part of you know just general hardware wallets and multi-signature security to use Music2 as part of that? Or in your view, is it is it not really well designed for that purpose? I think uh, this is really up to the designers of, of hardware wallets. And if people figure out how to do this, uh, they really have a competitive advantage because using music versus this um, naive technique of using Bitcoin script is more efficient. It saves fees uh, and it's more private. So I think there's an incentive to, to get this um, working. And as I understand, quite a few of the hardware wallets already are stateful and depend on state to be secure. So it wouldn't be such an additional burden to also um, use music too. I see. Yeah. So uh, I guess just as a quick example, I know some of the hardware wallet manufacturers are looking at these things like registering the other participants inside your quorum, right? So that's like for a security reason. Um, so maybe that is kind of a similar, like to that point you were saying about having to maintain additional state. So I'm curious then if you know whether they would need additional specs in terms of the current day hardware wallets, would they need additional specs in terms of processing power or memory or things like that? Uh, no, because um, these multi-signatures, they are very similar to just normal Schnorr signatures. So if you can do a normal Schnorr signature in a reasonable amount of time, you will probably also be able to do a multi. It's a little bit more complicated, but um, that shouldn't matter much. It, yeah. It's really similar. I think that's really the selling point of, of music too, is that it's as as simple as, uh, almost as simple as a normal signature, also in terms of computing power and, and memory and all the resources you need. Yeah, and this is also why we're calling it music two because it really supersedes music one. There's no reason to use music one. Also, just to clarify, with music two, is this a threshold signature scheme or is this a you know like has to be m uh, what's it m of m like three of three for example? Uh, it is an m of m scheme, so you can only use it um, for having the same amount of signers as uh, public keys. But uh, as people might know, in, in Taproot, for example, you have this key spend condition, which means that in a Taproot output, there's this public key and you can spend directly from it. Or you could reveal some parts of a Merkle tree. And let's say if you want to um, instantiate a two of three policy with music, what you can do is you can just create three two of two uh, music public keys and put them into leaves of this tree. And that way um, it's cheaper than using two of three with Bitcoin script, but it also doesn't reveal that this is a two of two policy because this again looks like a, a public key hidden in this um, tree. If I've understood you correctly, this is that difference between say a key path spend and then a script path spend in the taproot world, right? 
Yeah. So you could, um, if you have a two or three quorum, there's perhaps uh, one uh, or, or two signers which are more likely to produce signatures and you would uh, aggregate their public key, put it into the taproot key because that's the most uh, likely spending. And uh, then the other two of tools you would put into this uh, tree. So if you would spend with these two, then you would have to reveal that there is this tree, but you wouldn't reveal that this is a two of two. You would only show, okay, there's a public key and you're going to spend it. I see. Yeah. So maybe let me just put that into a practical example then. So let's say uh, listeners want to do, let's say Michael Flaxman's guide two of three, right? Have one cold card, one Kobo and one seed picker, which is like a paper, you know, or a metal seed, you know, the 24 words. And if they know that they're both, they're most of the time going to be signing with the cold card and the Kobo vault, then they would put that into the key path spend and the other kind of spending pathways would just be captured inside the script or the tree aspects of it. Uh, and so that's how they could still do use music too in this like hypothetical, like if cold card and Kobo supported the whole, you know, et cetera. But I'm just, I guess that's, that's yeah. an example of what's possible, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. This is a simple way to create uh, threshold policies with uh, music too in a taproot world. But of course, this doesn't scale very well. If you try to have a 60 of 100, for example, then your tree will get very, very big. Yeah, yeah. We, I guess we really need to work on, on a threshold uh, version of this. And, and we are actually aware that this is what what a lot of people will, will need, just that things take time. But I guess there's a, like, we're, um, there's a lot of things going on other also in other uh, research groups um for example there's a paper called frost or scheme called frost by um Chelsea Comlo and Ian Goldberg and they uh, they come up came up with a very similar idea um like we did were for for music too but their scheme works in a in a threshold uh, in a real threshold setting uh, we have some criticisms about their security proof because i think we believe ours is is more precise, um, but I really think they are going the in, into the into the right direction. It doesn't also doesn't have all the features that we want for music. This kind of key aggregation step where you take uh, some public keys and combine them into an aggregate key. Um, they um, they don't have this in the same way as as music does. Um, but I hope that in the future we can um, combine all these approaches and can, can come up with the music to threshold um, scheme. Um, but for now, that's, yeah, I'm talking about future stuff that, of course, can can take time to, uh, yeah. to be but, ready. And I guess and the important part is yeah. that it's possible, right? Right. So we, we believe it's possible. Um, also, if you ask me now, I, I could also... Uh, write up a procedure for doing it it's just that we need to be very careful and and uh do our do our work and try to prove this secure to be really confident about it i see yeah and so are there any other key changes in terms of what it would look like in terms of setting up the quorum the initializing of that multi-signature setup or maybe any other changes in terms of signing a transaction or do you think it's kind of it's all said and done, it's going to look very similar to current day multi-signature once the hardware worlds are done, like once the spec is made, once the hardware worlds are made, once the software is updated for it. 
I would say so, but um, I don't say it with confidence because they're really very, or we've learned in the past one, two years that there are really subtle attacks on these hardware wallets. Uh, so it's really difficult to rule out at this point that there will be some additional measures that hardware wallets would need to take to um, use music too. I see. Uh, and in terms of Bitcoin wallet software required to do Taproot Multisig or Taproot Music 2, are there any key changes that you can think of there uh, that are required versus, say, the typical ECDSA Multisig uh, available today? I don't think so. I mean, it's relatively straightforward, I think, to to integrate this as long as you're able to to store this uh, session state or even better, don't store it, just keep it in memory and renegotiate or repair as soon as um, you start up again. In terms of changes to Bitcoin script required, uh, would there be any key changes there or would it be kind of that aspect we were talking about before with the key path and the script path spend aspects of it versus the current day ECDSA just showing exactly the spending condition in the script currently? I think this is kind of one of the nice features of this uh, interactive way of doing uh, multi-signatures or threshold signatures is that really what what comes out of the signing process is a normal signature and what comes out of the key aggregation process is a, is a normal Schnorr public key. So this just looks like a normal signature on chain. You can't even, so as soon as you have support for, for Schnorr signatures, on the chain, you wouldn't even need, uh, strictly speaking, you wouldn't even need Taproot to, to do this. You just need the uh, ability to verify Schnorr signatures on the chain. You can use all those uh, interactive schemes like Music, Music 2, M Music DN uh, to create your signatures. And then uh, that, that's pretty cool because, yeah, what's end up on chain is just a public key and a signature. And this is not, it's not only nice for efficiency because those are really small, but also. Uh, for for privacy because in, in most cases people observing the chain can't even tell that you use sophisticated uh, multi-signatures uh, in the background it just looks like a normal spend right so that means in practice people could be doing uh, music too for multi-signature or threshold doing a kind of threshold multi-signature scheme uh, to you know, to hodl their coins, right, with more security, or they could be opening lightning channels to each other. And in terms of on-chain analytics or surveillance, they would look similar, correct? Or they could do a normal payment, which looks exactly the same as well. Yeah. Because right. um, like just to answer the question, in, in the taproot world, your, your spend is either just a signature, so there is no opcode because you provide a signature for the public key in the taproot output, or it's just a check stick opcode. So the same as a, a normal payment. Yeah, that'd be some very cool uh, implications there in terms of uh, perhaps giving everyone a little bit more privacy. Um, also, Jonas, I know you were working on some of the stuff around, or you were talking about some of this stuff, uh, scriptless scripts and point time locking and lightning implications of this work. So could you outline a bit of that for us as well? Yes, I think we, we touched a little bit onto that as well. So there's, there's the idea that um, with, uh, with uh, Schnorr signatures, you can also do it with ECDSL, but it's more complicated. But with Schnorr signatures, it, you could do lightning payments with scriptless scripts. Perhaps people are familiar that um, right now in order to, to make a lightning payment, uh, 
you have these hash time lock contracts. So you need to provide a hash pre-image and one of the problems uh, to, to claim a payment. And one of the problems is that this hash pre-image has to be the same on every hop of the route, um, of the payment route. And this allows uh, nodes on this route to correlate a payment and um, see where the payment is coming from and where it's going. And one of the advantages with scriptless script lightning is that you wouldn't have hash pre-images anymore. You would use basically public keys and secret keys and um, you would be able to randomize this payment pre-image, um, which isn't a hash uh, or, or a hash pre-image anymore, but it's a secret key now, and you would be able to randomize it on every hop, meaning that even if two nodes on the route collude and uh, see or, or uh, talk about which payments are, are coming through, they wouldn't be able to correlate it aside from timing maybe. Because now this um, payment pre-image is randomized on every hop. This is one of the advantages uh, of scriptless script lightning. And the other one is, or one of the other ones is that you get a proper proof of payment. Right now, if you pay someone, you get a payment pre-image, but every hop on the route gets this pre-image. So this doesn't really work as a, a, as a proof of payment and um, scriptless script lightning solves that. But in order to use scriptless script lightning with Schnorr, you need some kind of, of uh, music, preferably music too. Excellent. Uh, and listeners who are interested, you can check out my earlier episode with Rusty Russell, where we spoke about uh, MPP, and he was talking about the proof of payment in that episode. And also, if you're interested in uh, some other the lightning spec discussion, also check out episode 200 with Christian Decker, where we go into some of that also. So... Jonas and Tim, are there any other pieces of feedback that you've received from other cryptographers or other people in security on your work with Music2 and MusicDN? Um, one, one interesting thing about Music2 is that um, I already mentioned that uh, at least one other team came up with um, at least a, a very, or let's say the same core idea to make this two round, uh, to make this secure with two rounds under concurrent sessions. And there was even a, a third team, um, which is uh, Handan Killing Alper and, and Jeffrey Burgess, that came up with the same um, idea in the, independently. And this is kind of neat because um, this gives us some additional confidence, right? If like three research teams have the same idea, um, it, it's, a, it's a fun coincidence that they have it at the same time. But I think this is because there's a lot of interest in, in building these multi-signature schemes right now. Um, and yeah, if, if three research teams or six people come up with the same idea, um, then this gives us some more confidence that it's actually the right thing that we're doing here and that's really secure. Um, this is one part. Um, Jonas, can you say something about Music DN? Yeah, so, so just to add to Music 2, it's yeah. really cool to see that other people are working on these problems as well because in, in the past, we also had problems just to to motivate these problems because often cryptographers think that these are boring problems that have already been solved and why don't you use more uh, complicated cryptographic assumptions and so on because they don't really understand this very specific setting of, of, of Bitcoin where we want to rely on only the discrete logarithm assumption and we cannot easily make consensus changes. 
uh, etc. And um, this is cool to see with music too that other people are interested as well. And uh, this was um, also a little bit of a problem for music the end to to motivate this because that was exactly the response we got was yeah it doesn't seem to be very interesting. Um, uh, it just seems to be more theoretical, whereas we think this is a very practical, I mean, not very practical because you have all the disadvantages of the zero-knowledge proof, but we did this because we need this, we need it in a practical setting and music, the end, makes some applications more practical. Uh, I guess uh, maybe a skin in the game question. So imagine, you know, a few years down the line, would you guys be comfortable you know keeping your own bitcoin stash on a music to scheme yes yes certainly <laughs> well that's great great to hear that uh, there's some confidence there um in terms I, of... I prefer maybe a, a threshold setup but but as as far as like i'm i'm, I'm very confident in, in in music too yeah <laughs> and, and i have of course and now i have some incentive to work on a threshold extension right to in order to keep my own currents very secure right and i guess until a threshold scheme is done then i guess people would just have to be really more careful about keeping the backup 24 word seed for example so maybe they would have like three or five and make sure that they've got all the 24 word backup um you know on the steel thing so they can create so they can recover that key that hardware wallet key and still sign uh in even in a five of five or a three of three scenario right yeah this works but uh, of course this has the disadvantage as far as i know that you need to uh, put all your 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 backups into one location again to to restore right so i think it would be better to create uh, threshold policies using the taproot tree i see yeah yeah that I makes think a lot of it sense it also depends on the scenario right like if you store your bitcoins um, yeah, that, that's maybe where where like threshold things like maybe if you do it in a taproot tree or using other methods will be will be better for now. In some scenarios, you really need this um, n of n, and our prime example again here is is lightning, and, and there we um, this is where we where we see music too at the moment, where there you have just two of two channels, and this is what you need. This is exactly what you need. Yeah, right. I guess, where do we go from here with music to what kinds of developments would you like to see or contributions would you like to see? Or what do you see that's necessary before we get further adoption of music to? Yeah, so one thing that I really want to do is just to update our implementation from music one to music two. And I hope that will be mostly deleting code because you just delete now unnecessary state. So this, I, I'll be looking forward uh, to actually do that. And Tim, anything from your side? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of implementation, um, we we have this um, we have this repository um, SecP CKP um, or SecP two hundred fifty six K one CKP, which uh, Jonas was referring to, where we have currently an implementation of of Music One. And um, we will, of course, update this to, to music too. And I hope that others will uh, will implement our scheme as well, or or use our use our library because um, it's it's really simple in the sense that it's not hard to to implement. Of course, like maybe I shouldn't say this, right? Crypto is always hard to implement. But <laughs> if you if you already implement Schnorr signatures, 
uh, then it's not much to be added on 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 top of it. And this is really a difference to to music DN where you have this hugely complicated zero uh, knowledge proof, which uh, even scares me a little bit off from an implementation point of view. Um, so. Uh, I think that music the uh, sorry music two because it's so simple uh, we'll see um, more implementations than in our own library and um, I hope that people can now that it's out uh, yeah play play around with it and see if it fits if if it fits their higher level protocols uh, like lightning uh, DLCs scriptless scripts and all the magic stuff you can build on um, Schnorr signatures. Yeah, and I suppose previously the interest wasn't really high because no one knew whether Taproot would be a thing in the future. And now that's, it seems like this becomes a reality at some point. And on the theoretical side, I think uh, one interesting thing that we want to do with uh, Music2 is a um, realizing a concept that we call nesting which means that you can have a tree of uh, music keys. So let's say you have Alice and Bob, and Alice and Bob can aggregate their key, and their aggregated key can be used again with another uh, participant called Charlie, and then they can aggregate this aggregate, aggregated tree together to have basically a three of three, but Charlie doesn't know that there's an Alice and Bob. He just sees their aggregated key, a single key. And uh, this has also some, some applications to, to channel factories and perhaps um, makes some uh, multi-sig setups more private because now you have signers that don't need to know about all of the other signers. They only need to know about one aggregated key and you don't know whether they are, this, this is an aggregated key or this is a single signer. Uh, interesting. So that could make use make sense in even some kind of inheritance scenarios where maybe like a lawyer has a key or things like that, right? Maybe, yeah. So one one um, one simple example. I'm I'm not sure if it's a good example you want in practice, but just to um, to explain what's going on there. Think of again of a of a lightning channel two on two. Uh, it's sorry two two of two. So you have a uh, say you have a lightning uh, channel with some other peer on the lightning network, but you internally want to use uh, multi-signatures for uh, enhanced security. So your uh, your part of the lightning channel is again a music maybe between your desktop machine and your hardware wallet. And uh, like the other party in the lightning channel wouldn't even know or wouldn't even need to care that you internally run a, a music. Um, so this is uh, maybe an example to... Uh, to illustrate what's going on here. Yeah, interesting one. Um, okay, so uh, I think those are the key points. Was there anything else I missed or anything else you thought you wanted to uh, just discuss uh, related to music too, guys? Yeah, if people want to help us implement this, uh, <laughs> Tim already mentioned LipSecP, ZKP is where we're working on, or LipSecP. So see you there. Right, and feel free to reach out to us and bother us with questions or ideas or anything. <laughs> Great. So where can people find you online? Uh, at Nickler on Twitter. Right. Twitter is nice. Or GitHub. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thanks very much, guys, for joining me. Thank you. Thanks. Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 222 for this episode. Thanks, and I'll see you in the Citadels. <laughs>